Welcome back to the Walk the Word podcast. My name is James and I'm the pastor here at Sar Fellowship in the Kingdom of Bahrain. And we have been walking through scripture together one chapter a week since about 2018 or 19. Today we get to the book of Numbers. Last week we gave you a really brief, maybe 10 minute introduction to the book of Numbers, why you should study it with us this coming year here at Sar Fellowship. And today we get into Numbers chapter 1. As we say most weeks, if you've never read this chapter of your Bible, if you've no idea what Numbers chapter 1 is about, go ahead, press pause and read it, and then we'll come back together as we seek to know and grow in the Word. So the book of Numbers kind of picks up where Exodus left off uh, and also Leviticus. So God's people redeemed, saved, delivered out of slavery in Egypt. They've been in the wilderness for about a year now. During that time, uh, they're given instructions, commands on how to set up the tabernacle, this place of God's presence in their community, uh, how they as fallen and fallible sinners just like you and me can be in the presence of a righteous and holy God through sacrifices and offerings and, and things like that. And that's the book of Leviticus. So Exodus took them about a year. It covers about a year of their history. Leviticus, uh, if we piece different things together, took them about a month. And the book of Numbers, we're now going to stretch out for the next 38 years of the history of God's people. Uh, as we said last week, the title of the book, Numbers, doesn't really communicate to us what an exciting and engaging book it's going to be. Uh, in Hebrew, it's known as In the Wilderness. Uh, we read, it starts, the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting on the first day of the second month in the second year after they'd come out of the land of Egypt. Um, so they've been going, as we just read there, for a year already. We're into the second year, the second month. And something really interesting that we read there, something really key that we read there, uh, right at the beginning, the Lord spoke to Moses. Uh, this book, we're going to read that about around 150 times in the book, the Lord spoke to Moses. It's going to be very much, this is what God says to you, about you. This is what God wants for you and from you, his people in the wilderness. So, uh, bigger picture as well. We're not going to rehash what we said last week, why you should uh, listen and study this book with us. But bigger picture, it's the story of how God's people go from being a bunch of redeemed slaves brought out of Egypt to a group of people ready to inherit the promised land. And that took 38 years. So uh, God spoke to Moses in the wilderness, said, take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel by clans, by fathers' houses, according to the number of names, every male head by head. Verse 3 tells us from 20 years old and upward, all in Israel who were able to go to war, you and Aaron shall list them company by company. So the facts and figures that we see in Numbers chapter 1 then are going to be a military census. It's all the males, 20 years and above, who can go to war. 
So yes, they were given this land on a promise. This is uh, going to be the homeland of a nation of people from whom all the nations of earth are going to be blessed. Uh, it's, it's given by a promise of God. It's his land to, to, to give. Uh, but the people had to conduct themselves as people of the day did when they wanted or when they were told to, to move into a certain part of land. They had a very real and earthly battle to win. Yes, they would be divinely powered and you know, trusting in the promises of God would mean that they would never be in doubt of seriously actually losing these battles, but they still had to get their gear on and go out and, uh, and do it. They weren't going to walk in and have everything kind of, or everybody just kind of fall before them and accept, okay, sure, you can come and uh, take our land. So they had a very real fight to fight. And so Numbers chapter 1 is uh, uh, the people being organized by tribe, by family, uh, on all the males, 20 and above, who could go to war were numbered. We see then that the strength of the nation comes from the strength of the individual tribes and families. And we read a couple of times in this chapter, as we did there in verse uh, 3. Is it verse 3? No, it's verse 2. Just looking back. Uh, <laughs> according to the number of names, every male head by head. So, yeah, this is kind of a bigger picture chapter. We're looking at tens of thousands of people that were in one go. But the strength of God's people, the strength of the nation, comes down to individuals. It's head by head. The individuals matter in this census. The individuals matter for the campaign they're about to launch. Uh, and individuals still matter to God now. It's, it's not about sitting in church. It's you, the, the, the person in church. Nobody's saved and brought into a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus simply by just being a part of the, the wider group. It's a very individual, personal thing. And it goes right back to here. Look, we want a, a census. We want to know who and how many people we're going to go into battle with. And it's head by head. It's individual people. And then between verses 4 and 16, we get a list of the heads of the tribes. These are, as we read in verse 16, the chiefs of their ancestral tribes, the heads of the clans of Israel. And there are 12, uh, matching up with the, the 12 sons that we've talked about uh, way back now in Genesis. Levi is not listed. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes' time. But the two sons of Joseph, uh, Ephraim and Manasseh, are. So there is that nice, round, historically accurate and uh, kind of pointing back but looking forward number of, of 12 there's still 12 tribes there's still 12 chiefs here listed and then verses 17 to 19 gives us a really brief summary of what the rest of the chapter or the most of this chapter is about uh, Moses and Aaron took these men who had been named and on the first day of the second month they assembled the whole congregation together who registered themselves by clans by fathers houses according to the number of names from 20 years old and upward head by head, as the Lord commanded Moses. So he listed them in the wilderness of Sinai. That's a really super brief <laughs> overview of uh, Numbers chapter 1. They got together these um, heads of the tribes, chiefs of their ancestral tribes, head of the family, 
kind of thing, counts head by head and uh, <laughs> presents the numbers and that's it. And then from verses 20 to 46, there's a much more detailed um, census. It, it is the census. Interestingly, this is taken again at the end of the book, kind of 38 years later. Generally, the numbers are about the same. Yes, there have been some casualties to war. Some of the um, individual tribes and families experience more change than others, but generally, it's about the same 38 years later. Uh, again, very interestingly, some people look at these numbers and think this is absolutely preposterous. How on earth could this many people be roaming around together in, in the wilderness, in a place where you know not much grows? How on earth could they survive uh, as this group, uh, as a group of this size? Therefore, these numbers cannot be real. But we forget that God provided for them. Uh, plentifully. If you want to read around some of the explanations for these numbers, uh, there is a, a commentary, um, a study, a, a resource uh, by uh, two people by the name of Cole and Alan, uh, and they suggest a few different things why these numbers are so massively large. Uh, first, is they are literal and they are accurate. Second, that they were taken from David and Solomon's time and then kind of read back into the history. Uh, there's all sorts of explanations, uh, false mathematical calculations are symbolic. They've been exaggerated on purpose uh, to kind of big up the nation and make the enemies a little bit more weary of this, this, this group of a couple of million people. Um, as we talked about on Friday at, at church, Scribe makes an error, copying, um, but there is a very detailed, um, I'm not going to go into it uh, today, but there is a, a very, um, there's an extended piece um, in a commentary by a guy called Adam Clark that shows how over a couple of hundred years, it would have been possible for the nation to grow to this size because what we've got listed here, as verse 46 tells us, men aged 20 and above able to go to war, we've got 603,550. If we think that's, a, I don't know, roughly about 70% of the males in the group, uh, we've got this, uh, roughly the same number of females, we've got roughly 25% more children. We're looking at somewhere between two and two and a half million people. Uh, so again, if you want to look deeper into the possibilities that these numbers are not right, um, the, there are resources out there, but for me, it's not an absurdity to think that over a multiple generations, over a couple of hundred years, uh, God's people have grown into this uh, a, a nation-sized <laughs> group of people. Um, but again, that's something that we all need to decide in our own minds. But for me, my personal conviction is that these numbers are not preposterous. Um, it is mathematically possible. And so we take it, we take scripture in its literal and plainest sense. 
Just again, observations. Uh, Judah at this time is the biggest, 74,600. Uh, Manasseh is the smallest tribe at this time, 32,200. And then we get a summary, verses 44 to 46. These are all those that were listed. With uh, Moses and Aaron did the listing with the help of the chiefs, um, so they'd number them head by head. Moses and Aaron kind of bring that all together. Total men, 20 and above, ready to go to war, about 600,000. So it's not a small group that they're taking to fight these very real and literal battles. Last thing for today then, the, this last passage, the final passage of Numbers chapter 1, verses 47, 54. We see that the Levites were not listed along with them by the ancestral tribes. Very, very simply, this is a military census. They've got this very privileged role of serving in the tabernacle, representing God to the people, uh, the people before God. And there are just some things that need to continue uh, even in a time of war, you go back and you look at uh, First World War, Second World War, in the countries that many of us grew up in, lots of jobs needed to continue. So people were kind of exempt from uh, being conscripted, being called or being asked uh, to go and fight. And here we see that the priesthood in this nation, in this place at this time, was deemed too important uh, for them to go off and fight. And then again, very interestingly, and what's going to bring this chapter to a very great Jesus-centered conclusion is that um, they're told, look, when the tabernacle is set out, we're in verse 51 here, the Levites shall take it down. When the tabernacle is to be pitched, the Levites shall put it up. So they're in charge of the tabernacle and the, and the priesthood. We, we know that already. And uh, the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony, and then the other tribes are to camp around that. So it's like this lovely concentric circle God's presence, tabernacle, right in the middle of the community. And uh, the Levites then immediately around that, the rest of the tribes, the rest of the nation around. Levites are around that, and the nation are then around that. And so very, very simply, if the people wanted to go and seek out and be in the presence of God, they had to go through the Levites, through the Levitical priesthood. And obviously for you and me, God's presence is not localized to a movable temple tent in our communities. We're not pitching our tent literally by uh, the presence of God, but you know we want to dwell as close as we can. Now for you and for me, we don't have to go through a certain tribe or a family uh, to get to the presence of God. For you and for me, the Levitical priesthood, in essence, is now the person and the work of Jesus. God's people here to get to his presence, to access his presence, to be in his presence, to be close to God, to experience God, had to go through these priests. Now for you and for me, that is all about the person and the work of Jesus, whose sacrifice for your sin has closed the gap, uh, removed the distance, uh, opened the way to God that our sin has created. Uh, we know that sinning is to miss the mark, to contradict what God says about who we are, what we do, what we shouldn't do, all that kind of stuff. And it is only now through Jesus that that barrier is removed. It's no longer the Levitical priests and their tent being the closest to the tabernacle. That is the person and the work of Jesus. 
So Numbers chapter 1, on the surface, is a great big military census, but there's this wonderful Christ-centered point at the end. Next week, we are going to talk about Numbers chapter 2. But until then, God bless.